Hello everybody and welcome to You the Patriarchy and Me. I'm your host Elise Garcia and before we get started today a few housekeeping things. Number one, I got a new microphone. I hope you can tell. I also got new editing software. I'm working on a website, an email address so you guys can send things to me whether that's feedback or comments suggestions you can send me hate mail you know I don't care I just want to hear from you guys so those are in the works and today I want to talk about how the patriarchy affects your relationship with yourself and the people around you and then I'll get into some tips I have about how to have better relationships with yourself and with the people around you because they are definitely related to each other So like I said, today I want to talk about how the patriarchy affects the relationship you have with yourself and how that affects the relationships you have with the people around you. And there's a lot to talk about here, so for the sake of structure, I'm breaking this down into three main parts. Number one, how the patriarchy affects your own identity with yourself. Number two, how the patriarchy shapes the relationships you form with other people around you. And again, I think that goes back to your identity. I personally believe that um, the way you treat yourself is the standard you set for how the people around you are treating you. And number three is some tips I have on self-discovery and how to have relationships that feel authentic to who you are and set you up for success because I know that can be really hard in a patriarchal world so I have a few tips for you guys. So let's start with how the patriarchy can affect your own self-identity. So I define your self-identity as the set of your personality traits, interests, morals and values, likes and dislikes, belief systems, passions, and your experiences. And I'm sure there is a lot of conversation to be had around that and a lot of people define it the way they want to define it and that's totally okay. But for the sake of what I'm talking about today, that is how I'm defining it. So according to several sources, and I'm sure we can all agree with this, um, the development of your identity starts with your childhood. And the fact is that babies don't care about anything. They want love and affection, they want food, they want milk, and they want to sleep. And how we start to form our our identity is that parents and our peers around us and society start teaching us about what's right, what's wrong, and a lot of that goes back to gender. Childhood is where gender expectations start to be set up and um, really create this path for the rest of our identity because it starts to teach us, um, you know, what does a woman look like? What does a man look like? Um, And then over time, it teaches us, you know, what's wrong when you step outside of those gender norms and expectations. So we're starting with childhood because that is where this patriarchal cycle is perpetuated often but not always by parents who were also taught about gender roles and expectations from a young age 
and they pass it on and so on and so forth. And because it is passed on just like that, it's really important that we break these cycles. And breaking the cycle isn't easy and it isn't really common either. And that's why I don't particularly blame anybody who isn't aware of the cycle, doesn't know how to break it, or doesn't feel particularly motivated to. Because it's been around for thousands of decades and only recently did this start progressing and evolving. Because for example, most women of color, black women, indigenous women, didn't even have the right to vote until the last 100 years. And when they did, they got it at such different times. You know, the amount of women who were allowed to vote uh, at the passing of the 19th Amendment um, in 1920 is very different from the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So women have gotten these rights at such different times and all of them are relatively recent because we still had things like poll taxes, literacy tests, and other discriminatory barriers around. And women having rights is still by that definition pretty new, which is why conversations like this are so important. So starting in childhood, we often have expectations that range from explicitly sexist to subtly sexist. You know, maybe your parents don't say explicitly, you know, men are better than women, but maybe they say things like women are more emotional and men are more rational than women. And that's how these gender expectations really start. And it can be really subtle things that turn into what we now know as, you know, feminine and masculine traits. And I'll read you a list of some traits I'm talking about. For example, masculine traits have traditionally been defined as active, giving, confident, protective, logical, stable, assertive, courageous, so on and so forth. Whereas feminine traits have traditionally been unconditionally loving, and note that word (laughs) unconditionally, understanding, nurturing, intuitive, creative, feeling, emotional, sensitive. And doesn't it sound crazy now just thinking about how you can define certain traits as um, being more normal or accepted to one gender than the other? You know, I find it inherently weird that we gave gender labels to traits. You know, I guess that's just weird. You know, I can't be the only one that's like, God, that's weird. Like, can we not just call them traits and be done? Do we need two different lists, you know? So I'll give you a few examples of how the patriarchy then starts shaping your values and your sense of self and, you know, therefore your identity. For example, somebody says, you throw like a girl. And then you start to associate women with physical weakness. And you start to learn that being compared to women, especially if you're a man, is humiliating and threatening to your masculinity. And you no longer want to quote unquote, throw like a girl. You want to quote unquote, you know, throw like a boy. Another example is how a lot of parents and people are willing to erase or forgive bad behavior more often from boys than girls. 
saying things like, well, you know, boys will be boys. When those same boys start acting physically or sexually aggressive. You know, honestly, I know it sounds extreme to uh, tie one to the other, but it's true. Um, rapists and serial killers are not made overnight. They don't wake up and rape someone. They don't wake up and become a serial killer. They had these thoughts and these patterns, and I'm not saying it all comes from nurture, you know, the way they were raised, but there's definitely an influence there because there's a lack of accountability that started somewhere. There was a pattern of thinking that was introduced to them somewhere. And a lot of it comes from childhood. You know, in childhood, that's where the patriarchy plant can that's where the patriarchy can plant seeds like this because it's where boys' behavior starts to be more easily forgiven and written off than a girl's behavior. And don't even get me started on how gender norms create parents that are so easy on their sons and so hard on their daughters. And don't even get me started on emotional incest. And I'll talk about that in another episode um, Google it if you're not familiar for, with what it is, but it's basically a parent treating their child like romantic partner, like expecting their child to fulfill their needs when in fact, as the parent, you should be fulfilling their needs. But that's a whole nother conversation. And that's just another example of how in childhood, uh, your identity can be shaped around this idea that's introduced to you where you're more willing to forgive a boy's behavior because everybody else is. And that's actually another reason why a lot of daughters become the scapegoats of their families, where like anything and everything that goes wrong in the family falls back on the daughters or the women of the family, but not the men. And another example is if you do or you have done something that steps outside of gender expectations, you're met with bullying, harassment, and cruel behavior from other kids and sometimes even your own parents. So from a young age forming your own identity, you learn that you can't even express what you truly want to express. You can't even really explore it because you're shamed when people just see a little bit of it starting to be explored. And so you learn that that's, you know, quote unquote, not who you should be, or that's not what boys do, or that's not what girls do. That's not how they act. That's not how they dress. Those are not the toys they play with. That's not the things they do. That's not ladylike, you know, so on and so forth. And so these boxes start forming around you right then in childhood as you're conditioned to hide, erase, or shame parts of yourself based off what people tell you. And the truth is that you can only bury things for so long. And so what you do is you start from a young age getting used to burying parts of yourselves and pushing it down and pushing it down. And more likely than not, they will come out one day, but they might come out at a, a much later time in your life where you've had it buried for so long that you feel ashamed of it and you you don't feel comfortable expressing certain parts of yourself and it all starts right here right when you're developing as a child and a lot of these differences that people try to teach you that exist between the different genders can be subtler like i mentioned briefly before 
it can be something as simple as a girl and a boy playing with the same toy, but people would rather call them dolls when a girl plays with them and action figures when a boy plays with them. And one is more accepted than the other. And it's crazy to think about how it can start with things that little seemingly of a difference because you know, they teach girls that you play with these dolls and you can dress them up and boys, you play with these action figures and you can make them fight each other. And that's not saying one is better than the other. It's just kind of weird to think that there is this implicit association that girls should explore interests like beauty and vanity, makeup and fashion, while boys should explore interests like fighting and competing with those action figures and one is more accepted than the other and if the boy tries to play with the dolls it's weird and a lot of people will be like what are you doing those are your sister's dolls like like why can't he have some too and if you think that a your son playing with dolls is going to make him gay you know that's a whole nother topic it's that's just crazy you know that it starts with such little things like that. And it starts with such little things like that, but it, in my opinion, becomes a lot more obvious as you get older. You know, the expectations turn from little Susie should play with dolls and pick flowers into little Susie should help people for a career, you know, be a nurse, be a teacher, be a counselor. You know, in other words, go into a female dominated industry that is dedicated to helping people because women um, are conditioned to spend their lives being of service to other people. And it also turns into, you know, you should center your life and identity around raising a family and having kids. And that's not saying that anything is wrong with that, whether you do or you don't want to do that. Um, no one of those choices is better than the other, but it's the gender expectation, the normalization of one being more accepted in society's eyes than the other. And, you know, little Tom should play with the action figures and do lots of sports competitively turns into, well, you know, Tom should find a good woman who will take care of him and give him babies. And um, the center of his life and identity should be in taking care of his family financially. And again, it kind of goes back to that list of traits I was talking about earlier where, you know, little Tom now is expected to take on a career that is in a you know, male-dominated industry that is more logical, more objective, you know, things like finances, and it's kind of still unfortunately seen parts of the world as taboo if now little Tom doesn't want to be the breadwinner for his household and he, you know, would rather um, be an artist or be a stay-at-home dad and do something that's more seen as feminine, like be creative. And it's just unfortunate that those things that we think maybe don't matter when people are raising kids is actually crucial to forming the identity that you will carry with you and evolve with when you're an adult. Like it all really starts there. So that is where your sense of identity then is mostly shaped by what society tells you and the people around you because what society tells the people around you will 
definitely make its way back to you through teachers, leadership, friends, family, romantic partners, media and entertainment, and so much more. And the fact is that people just love to tell you who you are and who you should be. They seemingly derive so much pleasure from trying to ensure that certain genders act certain ways with certain expectations and it's just the ebb and flow of life and it's all bullshit. And you can take and leave as much of that as you want. And I know that's hard to state um, now because you can't really control your childhood. It's one of those things that's unfortunate because your childhood is well when you're a child and you don't have a lot of control in your life unfortunately so it's like the period of your life where you have the least amount of control and yet that's where your brain and everything in you starts to form and your interests start to take its roots and you start to figure out things you like and you dislike and you just don't really have the vocabulary for it but you are figuring it out. So it's unfortunate that so much bullshit can happen in that time and and I'm not even particularly talking about things like trauma and dysfunctional families and mental disorders and health problems. Like everything like that aside, it's unfortunate that this is where a binary expectations start to exist. You know, do you fit in the woman box or do you fit in the man box? And when you're little, it's do you fit in the girl box or do you fit in the boy box? And it just kind of evolves. And what it turns into is then you start to feel a certain shame or weird feelings when you try to step out of those boxes even a little bit. Yeah, and unfortunately, your childhood is so like entirely dependent upon you know, who your parents are, where do you live, what is the culture of that region, what religion are you brought up with, what are the um, expectations in your culture, what kind of people do your parents allow to be around you, where do you go to school, um, what are the kids like at that school, what kind of neighborhood do you live in, and you can't control any of that. And I can only speak to what I know here in the United States where there is um, so many different kinds of people, but what I do know is that in childhood it's often in this part of the world where you also learn not only what gender expectations are, but what the expectations for those people are within that gender too. Like, yes, now you know how, quote-unquote, a woman should act like or um, how a man, quote-unquote, should act like, all based off their um, anatomy. Um, but then you also learn, like, the rules within those groups of people. Like, for example, if you're from a conservative part of the United States or of the world, you might learn that women need to cover up. And you might learn that um, the men are the head of the household, so women do not have um, as much power in the household. And that whoever makes the most money should have the most power. And you learn, you know what I'm talking about, you know, things like that. And the reality is that um, that also shapes your identity and kind of gets ingrained in you because, you know, say your parents teach you that a woman should cover up, then you learn growing up that you should cover up and you start to frown upon the woman around you who don't make the same choices as you. 
And now I'm kind of getting into what I talk, I want to talk about next. But basically what I'm trying to say is that you can take these expectations and these gender norms and these boxes and these traits and you can take and leave as much or as little as you want. And it doesn't make you any worse or any better of a person. It just makes you different. And I think trying to project the idea that one set of behavior is better than another is where the real problem is. Because as long as we're not talking about, you know, killing people and torturing people, you can be whoever you want. You can wear whatever you want. You can have any interests. You can have any likes. You can have any dislikes. You can have any passions. You can go into any career and you don't even have to think about gender or sex expectations or norms once. And I say you don't have to, but you probably will and that's okay because you just have some healing to do. And that healing can be in whatever way is best for you. And I encourage everyone to seek therapy, but not everyone has access to therapy. So maybe for you that is um, setting up your life differently and reading certain books or listening to certain podcasts like this one. Your healing can be whatever is best for you, but you are limitless. And before I get into the next part, uh, the part where I talk about how your identity shapes the relationships you form with the people around you and the role that the patriarchy plays in that, I want to emphasize that you are the most important thing in your world. And maybe you're not in your opinion because maybe you've dedicated your life to something else. Maybe you've dedicated your life to cancer research or to the kids that you have or any other you know, passion you would like to commit to. And that's totally okay. But what I really want everyone to get from this episode and this entire podcast is that you are so important. And don't let someone tell you otherwise. You can balance selfishness with selflessness. You can do things that make you feel good eventually without feeling bad about not doing certain things for other people. You don't have to please everyone in this world and you can't please everyone in this world. So why spend your life so consumed with how other people see you? Because I think the people that really matter are the people that you keep in your life. You know, what really matters is how do you see yourself you know, what kind of relationships do you have with the people you love, like certain family members, certain friends, you know, your colleagues, your community, that's the stuff that really matters. And you have no obligations to anybody to live your life for them. You can live your life exactly how you intend to live it. And you don't deserve any shame for that. You deserve all the rounds of applause. And I wish more people did it more often because I think the greatest gift you can give yourself is to create and live a life that you really want to live and that you look forward to living. This next part is about how that identity you have shapes the relationships you form with the people around you. So everything I just talked about, how the patriarchy forms your identity, now brings us to how that identity uh, plays a role in the relationships you have. And that's because how you treat other people is a reflection of how you treat yourself. And how you're willing to let people treat you is a reflection of what you think you deserve. And it's the ultimate test of how much love and kindness and respect do you think you deserve. 
And to me, it's very indicative of people's confidence and insecurities. And we all have insecurities, so don't think that nobody has them because trust me, we all have them. So for example, if you sit in the mirror and you pick yourself apart physically for any reason, whether it's because you've been doing it to yourself since you were a kid, because other people did it to you, like your parents or your peers, or beauty standards you see on Instagram, it doesn't surprise me that if you sit in the mirror and you pick yourself apart, that you also see other people and you pick them apart too. And you focus on what's wrong with yourself. So then in your day-to-day -day life, you focus on what's wrong with people. And I can really speak to this one because I used to do it. And I think all of us used to do it at one point or another. And if you haven't, then hats off to you because I can say that when I was most insecure and I was a teenager um, and I didn't really know who I was, I picked myself apart. I thought, oh my God, one eyebrow is higher than the other. This eyelash isn't in the right place. I have stretch marks. I have cellulite. My voice sounds deep. My hair isn't as healthy as other girls. I have curly hair and they have straight hair, you know? And so when I went out into the world, I also noticed things that I thought were wrong with other people. Oh my God, they're overweight. They're underweight. Um, their eyebrows look weird too. They have frizzy hair. And it was just like very clear that the relationship I had with myself was the reason why I was having these thoughts about other people. And if you do these negative things to yourself and so you do it to other people, it also wouldn't surprise me if you then allow other people to treat you that way. And it becomes um, a cycle where you do it to yourself, so you do it to other people, so you're more willing to let other people do it to you. Um, and it, it's a tough one to be trapped in, but I, I promise you, you can escape that cycle. And it's not easy, but it does progressively get easier. And we'll actually come back to that in a few minutes when I get to the last part I want to talk about. And the identity you have also seeps into expectations you carry for the people around you. So based off how you were raised in such a patriarchal world, you might expect to be walked on by certain genders and taught that it's okay. For example, a woman, not just expecting, but feeling entitled to, let's say a man paying for everything in her life while she gives nothing in return, is not okay. Just like how a man, not only expecting, but feeling entitled to a woman forgiving or forgetting any harm they do is not okay either. And all of the examples I've gave so far is for, you know, heterosexual parents and, you know, cis people and heterosexual relationships and cisgendered people. And I acknowledge that anyone of any gender can do these things and there's so much complexity to talk about there but the common denominator is nobody should be telling you who you should be it doesn't matter what gender is saying it to which gender it you know it doesn't matter if you're in a gay relationship or a straight relationship or you're non-binary um that is no one's place to tell you anything like that and the fact is that the world owes you nothing. And I know that might be hard to hear, but you're actually entitled to basically nothing in this world. 
And the only exception really I'd say is like your parents. I personally believe that if your parents brought you into this world, you know, willingly and consensually, um, then they owe it to you to be a parent, to take care of you, to be there for you, to be understanding. Um, regardless of gender or anything like that. And I think it's the most selfless act I think anybody can do for that reason, um, which is why I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, I'm just not selfless enough, I think, to do it in that way. And that's totally okay. You know, I don't want kids. And that goes against this expectation that people have for women. And it's very shocking for people here that as a woman, I have um, negative interest in having kids, but it's true. And it's just another example of how I know I'm different from the expectations that are set up for me, but I've healed from my trauma and I've lived a lot of crazy experiences and I've had a deep realization of the things I want and I don't want. And so it's totally okay because I no longer care about what people think I should be doing. And I'm now in a stage of my life where I'm doing what I want to be doing and that's final. So going back to what I was saying about how um, living in a patriarchal world, the identity you have can seep into these um, expectations you carry for other people. I think it's easier to have worse relationships with friends, colleagues, romantic partners, so on and so forth when you have certain gender expectations ingrained in your own identity no matter how big or small. For example, women having more problems with other women in their life because they feel threatened by women who wear more provocative clothing. And so they shame women who openly have, you know, casual sex or lots of sex. So it's harder to form healthy friendships or relationships with confident women in that example because you've limited yourself to only associating with women who don't carry the same confidence. So you surround yourself with women who feel easily threatened by other confident women, which can lead to problematic friendships and problematic uh, relationships because you've surrounded yourself with people who are deeply insecure. Because everyone has securities, insecurities, and I promise you can work on them, but there's a certain age where you are an adult and now you know you no longer have excuses for why um, you're doing such hurtful or hateful things. Like the, the root of the problem is you by that point. So if you're going out and you're so bothered by what other people of other genders are doing because it doesn't align with the expectations you have for that gender, um, that is your problem. And that is where I have um, basically no you know sympathy or empathy for people like that because what the person wearing next to you or what the person next to you is wearing is none of your business. Um, unless they're like butt ass naked and it's illegal and they're um, sexually harassing people because people did not consent to seeing them naked sort of thing um, is really not your problem at all. And there is no value to be had in slut shaming women or shaming women for what they wear or shaming men for what they wear or slut shaming men. There's just nothing good to come out of that. And I think it's so telling of someone's character and it's not shocking to me when someone so insecure and hateful and problematic also has really chaotic 
uh, friendships and relationships. And that doesn't mean they'll always have all of their relationships are that bad, but it just doesn't surprise me to have to see that in other people's lives because it's a pattern by that point. It's like you're so insecure of yourself, you're threatened by women and men who are secure of themselves. And there are solutions to that, like I said, and, and we will get back to it, but that is what I have to say about um, self-sabotaging yourself and your relationships because of your own gender expectations. Because the truth is that one is not better than the other. A woman who has lots of sex is not better or worse than a woman who never wants to have sex. And the same goes for a woman who dresses provocatively versus a woman who would rather cover every inch of her skin versus a woman who, you know, wears a full face of makeup and a woman who wears no makeup. A woman who loves other women versus a woman who loves men or a woman who loves nobody like myself. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I love a lot of people, but you know, you can love whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can really say whatever you want so long as you're not like inciting, you know, hate or anything like that. Um, and even that is okay in some countries, you know, freedom of speech. Um, but the same thing goes for men too. And every gender, people can do whatever they want to do. And no one is actually better than any other person. And there is no problem with being different. And the problem only arises, I think, when one thing is marketed as better than the other, when one thing is shamed and one thing is celebrated. And you know what has stayed true for probably all of time? Speaking of relationships and friendships, uh, nobody likes an asshole. And assholes don't even like assholes. They can't even get along. And you know what? It's hard to get along with people and have healthy relationships when you've rooted your identity in judging everybody so cruelly and holding people to such extreme expectations. Because we might have different appearances, different genitalia, sexualities, nationalities, races, genders, etc. But there is so much beauty in that. And that's why I'd say that the key to having great relationships with all kinds of people starts with getting comfortable in the skin that you're in. Because it's very easy um, to take the negativity that was put on you as a child and even in your teenage life or your adult life and then you want to put it onto other people because you know misery loves company but that is not a fulfilling life. That is a miserable life. I mean, think about it. You have one life to live that we know of. Let's not get religious or philosophical here. As we know, we have one life to live. So do you really want to live it hating other people, bringing down other people, hating yourself, having toxic relationships, um, not feeling comfortable in your own skin, not having um, healthy relationships with your family, you know, to the extent that you can control that because all of these are two-way streets, you know, is that really a life that you want to live? Probably not. And I hope not. And you don't need to tear down other people to lift yourself up or put people in boxes. And I promise you can find a lot of joy in killing your superficial expectations of other people and sticking with what actually matters in people and relationships universally. And again, when I say relationships, I mean relationships with yourself, 
with your friends, with your family, with romantic partners, with your colleagues, with your community, and so on and so forth. Because I think it's easy to hear the word relationship and just think, oh, love, sex, romance, marriage, all that stuff. But I actually don't like that we live in a world that puts like love as the most important kind of love and relationship because it is so important to have a balance of healthy relationships. Like if you only focus on your partner, you probably will lose all of your friends. And I don't blame your friends because if you never wanna hang out with your friends and you would rather hang out with your partner, you know, don't be surprised if when you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you don't have any friends to turn to because they tried to get a hold of you, um, but you were too busy focusing on romantic love sort of thing. I kind of got off topic there, but when I say relationships, I mean all the relationships in your life because they are all important and they are all how we got here as a species. So that's what I'm talking about. And like I was saying, it seems like it's gonna be a miserable life. It definitely will be a miserable life if you spend it having these superficial expectations of other people and you'll probably find more, more joy in sticking with what actually matters universally. So surround yourself with people who respect you, respect your boundaries, people you trust, people who uplift you, people who push you, people who are honest with you, people who energize you, people who teach you, people who make you feel like the world is limitless, people who support you, people who mentor you, people who motivate you, and so on and so forth. Don't let the patriarchy cloud your vision of what matters because that's the stuff that actually matters. You know, does it actually matter that my friend who is a boy likes to wear dresses? Does it actually matter that my friend who is a woman likes other women? Does it actually matter that one of my friends doesn't like to identify as a she or a he and instead is a they them? Or does it actually matter how they make me feel? Because Everything that people remember is a feeling. You know, when I think back to my childhood and some people, I can't think of everything they exactly said to me, but I can remember how they made me feel. And every interaction you have with people is either a deposit of trust or it is, it is a withdrawal of trust. So does it actually matter what they look like? or who they love, or what their sexuality is, or what they their pronouns are, or anything like that, you know? I feel like I'm trying to solve, you know, racism and sexism and all the isms right here, but, and I know I can't solve that, but what I can say is the shit doesn't really matter. And at the end of the day, you get to decide what matters. So if, if those things are really important to you, then by all means, don't listen to a word I say. You can go stress out every minute of your life worried about what kind of pronouns people have. But the question I have then is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I just feel like the answer is no. But I could be wrong, you know? What do I know? And that brings me to our final segment, which by the way, I just wanna say I'm killing it on the time management because I wanted it to be like 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and I have done almost exactly that. So just kinda of want to my own horn. Uh, that brings us to our last segment, and that is the tips I have for self-discovery and how to have relationships that are healthy and feel authentic to who you are. 
And disclaimer, I am not an expert, I am not a psychologist, I am not a relationship coach, but I am a 20 year old with a lot of crazy experiences under the belt. And everything I say next is kind of universal. You've probably heard bits and pieces of it before. Maybe I'm just framing it in a new way. And maybe this is the time where hearing it helps you more than the other times. And you can take or leave as much of it as you want. And I have no problem with that. And I probably will never even know. So that is my disclaimer. But everything I'm about to say has worked for me and worked for other people in my life. And some of it is based in research that I've done uh, recently and over the last few years. So the first piece of advice I have is pay attention to what you feel when you're around certain people and when you do certain things, whether you're doing them for fun or for work, because you have this thing called an intuition and it knows a lot more than you think it does. And if you pay attention to your intuition and your head and your heart and what all three of them are saying, you will find that there was a lot of insights to be had there because it will tell you the things that you love to do. They will tell you the things you don't like to do. It'll show you what exhausts you and what motivates you and what uplifts you and what doesn't. So my first tip is to just pay attention to what you feel. And I don't care if you're a man who's been told his whole goddamn life that you don't have feelings or certain feelings because you definitely do and you know that and I know that. And if you bury them, it's time to dig them up because you have them. And if you pay attention to what you feel, you know, man or woman, you will find a lot of great insights there and you need to pay attention to those. The second piece of advice I have is to reflect on what has happened in your life and try to find any patterns that stick out. So maybe there's a certain trait in people you'd like to avoid because it's triggering to you or it isn't good for your mental health. And maybe you've always liked to do artistic stuff since you were a child, so that's a lead you should follow. And I didn't necessarily put this part down as a piece of advice, and now that I'm thinking about it, I probably should have which is reflect back on the things you'd love to do as a child because you probably still like them now as an adult. And if you try them out again and you don't like it, that's okay. But for me, a lot of the stuff I like to do when I was a baby um, or a toddler, I really love to do now, like reading and sitting outside. I don't necessarily need to like run because like, I still don't really like running, but reading, drawing, watching movies, listening to music, dancing around, playing games. Like these are all things I always loved to do as a kid and I stopped doing at lower parts of my life and I have started doing again and some of them are daily practices and I love it. And I wouldn't have known to come back to them if I didn't reflect on what has happened in my life and try to find these, these patterns and these leads for me to follow now. And an example I can give of a trait just for myself personally that I try to avoid in people now is people who complain too much. And man, that is something tricky because there is people who have mental disorders, people in really bad places in their life, people who have a ton of trauma. And I'm not saying you stay away from the people who are going through shit because that's kind of outlandish and 
pretty inconsiderate to the people around you. Um, but people who complain about the smallest things all the time, you know, like I said earlier, I hate this, I hate that, their makeup sucks, their outfit sucks, this food sucks, we should have gone somewhere fancier, my friend sucks, I'm so sick of my friend, you know, people who are just so negative like that is a trait that I've learned to avoid because I reflected on what has happened in my life and the people that I want to stay away from. So now when I see that trait, it doesn't mean I avoid them like the plague, but I, I keep my distance. You know, I can be professional, I can be civil, I can be friendly-ish, but um, I will not go out of my way to get to know you, and that's totally fine. Because you're also not going to keep me up at night. I've just learned that I want to keep you out of my circle, so you are staying out of my circle. The third piece of advice I have is to try your best to set aside gender expectations you've been conditioned to have and examine where they came from. And if it helps you to know where they started, you should definitely do that. For me, I like to know uh, the root of things. And so thinking back to where, why, and when I started having these certain expectations of people, helped me tear them apart. And I would actually extend this to all expectations. And that sounds overwhelming and you don't have to do it all at once. Um, you can do a certain set of them and then move to another set if that's um, better for you mentally. But reflect back on and try your best to set aside all expectations. You know, race, nationality, gender, religion, I think if you try to give people the benefit of the doubt and you just let people be themselves, you will probably start to like a lot more people when you um, take away these filters you've had your whole life that you don't even particularly know where they came from. So you don't even really know why they exist. You've just been using them unnecessarily and, and maybe it hasn't benefited you. Um, so maybe it's time to think about those and... Um, you know, stop doing what's not working for you. And that's totally okay. Because it's totally okay to stop doing things in life. It's okay to start over. It's okay to try again. It's okay to evolve. It's okay to um, have new personality traits. And that's another thing. Don't let people try to let your past define you because it does, but you exist as you do now. So if someone who knew you when you were 16 wants to tell you that you're horrible now because they knew one piece of you when you were 16, you know, fuck it. They have no idea who you are, so don't even worry about it, honestly. As much as you can, don't worry about it, please. Think about all the positive things people have to say about you now for the people who do know you. And that brings me to my next point of question everything. And I don't mean like a conspiracy theorist sort of moving away from reality, dangerously far from reality sort of way where you like can't even touch a napkin because you think it's going to kill you. But question everything as in like think critically about where the in where you're getting your information and what you should do with it. Because someone might tell you how to live your life, but like you learn in research, consider the credibility of the source. Maybe someone tells you a piece of advice for living a life, but you think about how this person is living their life and 
they don't even like living their own life. So why would I take your advice? You know, you have to think about the biases people have and the motives people have and questioning everything helps you figure out what feels best for yourself. So you can take and leave whatever people tell you. Like someone might give you advice and that doesn't mean you have to take it. And someone might tell you you're ugly and that doesn't mean you have to believe it. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but if a random, you know, person comes up to me and says, oh my God, you're like the ugliest person I've ever seen. I'd be like, oh my God, like that's fucking crazy. Cause I think I'm beautiful. And that's really it <laughs> because I've, I've just done it for so long, the questioning everything that when I question that, I'm like, that person has no idea who I am. And also beauty is very subjective and I think I'm pretty and that's what matters. And, and that's how I've found to make progress is don't just take everything that people try to tell you, because if you do that, then you just have this weird, um, set of beliefs that all contradict each other because you can't please everybody. So consider where you're getting your criticism from and distinguish criticism from just hate too. And that also applies to questioning what the world tries to not just tell you, but sell you. So um, the media tries to sell you things. What does TikTok try to sell you? Um, there's so many different sources of information. So just think critically about what the sources of information are for you. The fifth piece of advice I have is pretty straightforward. I don't even think I need to elaborate for more than 15 seconds. Decide what's right or wrong for yourself. That's it. Your parents will try to tell you things. Your friends will. Society will. They'll try to tell you what's wrong and what's right and what your beliefs should be. Um, but those are their beliefs. And no matter where they got them from, they don't have to be yours. Yours can be whatever you want. Maybe it's wrong for someone to eat candy past 10 p.m., but you're okay with doing that. And you know what? That's your goddamn right to do. So decide what's right and wrong for yourself. Again, I think this one is straightforward, but my sixth piece of advice is listen to your intuition. And I kind of touched on it, but that voice that tells you that it's dangerous to go out on a rainy night and you don't have a lot of gas in your car, that voice in your head that tells you that you need to leave a situation when tensions are getting high or a fight is breaking out, um, that voice in your head that says that someone is trying to hurt you or has bad motives towards you. Um, that voice in your head that tells you, you love this person, you can trust this person, you get a good vibe from them, as people say. Listen to that thing. Because that thing is so smart, it's crazy. I used to think I was smart, right? And I mean, I was a teenager, we all think we're so smart. But like this little, this little like, voice this little feeling in my lower like stomach area which is where I get it um that thing knows what it's doing and I've been fine-tuning it as I get older and that's probably the greatest gift I've ever given myself or given myself besides just the the act of giving myself self-love fine-tuning your intuition chef's kiss it's amazing please do it listen to your intuition my seventh piece of advice is to surround yourself with people who are successful at the things you want to be doing, even if it feels a little intimidating. It's okay. 
at the end of the day, do you want to be the smartest person in the room? You know, think about that. Maybe you do, actually. Maybe that's not the best analogy because I'm sure some people would like that. But isn't it nice to learn from people? I feel like it is. So surround yourself with people who can teach you things, especially if the things that they're teaching you are helping you be successful at the things you want to be successful at. Like right now, I have hmm, basically three mentors I really, really look up to and I feel like I can turn to their advice and I trust them. And they're successful at so many things that I want to one day be successful at. And we don't even need to be talking about just work. You can find someone who is um, more upbeat than you are and you want to be more like that. It's okay. You don't have to see it as copying someone. Um, It's totally fine because something cool I realized is all the parts that um, you like about yourself, other people can bring it out of you. So really what you are is you're just like accumulation of all the the people you've ever met and you just kind of take traits from people that you really like. So don't be afraid to surround yourself with people who have traits or careers that you want to have one day because it's the best way you can set yourself up to one day have it or one day be like that or be that successful. My eighth piece of piece. Oh my God. Did you hear that? Piece. Sorry, no offense to anyone with the lisp. I have a lisp if you like can't hear it, that little snake noise. Um, my eighth piece of advice, gosh, that's hard, is to acknowledge that everybody is at least a little confused. Mm, Because there is no winning in this game of life. And people are really good at pretending like they know what they're doing, even when they don't. And again, I know it's easier said than done. But like a lot of people are really confused. And if you don't believe me, just ask a couple adults in your life, like, even older adults than you and um, ask them if they know what they're doing because I feel like they're gonna be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, but like, do you, do you? And even if they do know what they're doing, like whatever, you don't know what you're doing sometimes and that's totally okay because what what fun would it be if you knew the answer to everything? If you knew exactly what was going to happen and all the right things to do and all the perfect choices to make and all the exact people you need to go and message and meet up with and you'll meet the love of your life and you'll meet your best friends and blah 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 blah. If you knew all that then like life really wouldn't be any fun. Like there's no exploration, no adventure to be had there and Making mistakes is the greatest way to learn so you can not make them again and be a better person. So don't be afraid to be like, oh my god, I guess we're all a little confused. Because yeah, we are all a little confused and it's totally okay. My ninth piece of advice is to fake it till you make it because it works. I don't care if you have to look in the mirror every day and call yourself beautiful or call yourself handsome or compliment that one part of yourself that other people made you hate. You do it until you feel it because a surprising amount of things actually work with the mindset of fake it till you make it. And I won't even go too much into this because there's like too many examples to give, but fake it till you make it. Challenge yourself and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the 10th piece of advice that I have is to detach from the things that make you feel horrible. It's okay to take space or cut contact with people who don't make you feel good. And it's worth examining why they don't make you feel good either. Because that's how you're going to learn is by noticing these patterns of um, what is not good for you 
and what makes you feel exhausted or drained or horrible about yourself. And you don't owe anybody a spot in your life. They have to earn their seat at the table. So if they're not earning their seat at the table, you better get the fuck away from my table. Like, I will kick you off my table. This table is reserved. These seats are RSVP'd, okay? And so if you're not going to treat me right, you get off this table. And that's the confidence I want you guys to have. That is the amount of self-love I want you guys to have, is I want you to see when someone is not good for you and find the courage and, and the willpower and have the support system in your life to lean on when you need it um, so you can feel comfortable kicking people out of your life. Because I know some people don't kick people out of their life because they're afraid of being alone. Um, and I get that. I mean, I used to get that. I personally can't I can't really relate to that anymore because I love being alone. Um, but... Sometimes being alone or being with a few people is better than being around a bunch of shitty people, honestly. And I feel like I feel like people can agree with me on that. I feel like that is not a controversial or mind-blowing thing to say is that I would rather have two, three really great best friends, uh, which I do, versus 20 friends, quote-unquote friends, who make me feel like shit about myself and who don't actually accept me for who I really am. And finally, my last piece of advice is to try everything. And I saved this uh, for last because it's amazing. Try everything. Try everything out and give it a chance as much as possible. Like for me, there's some things I just, um, I'm going to stay away from. But even then, I have days where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. Like I hate running. I cannot stand running. And sometimes I catch myself telling people, oh, I don't mind running. Mm, no, at least you, you hate running. And yet sometimes I go on runs and I've tried it now to the point where I know I hate it, but I still do it. And I'm kind of getting off topic. What I mean is try everything out. The things that make you feel good, follow that lead. The things you're curious about, follow that lead. And I'm not saying you need to be a yes man because you only have so much time in your day and in your life and in your lifetime. So it's not like you need to say yes to every single person who presents an opportunity, but I would say challenge yourself to saying yes to more opportunities. And also, uh, learn to say no to those opportunities you already have tried and you didn't like so that you can spend more time saying yes to the things you're curious about or the things you know you like. And I think that's how you set yourself up for success. And I actually have one more piece of advice because I forgot to say it. I actually skipped it, um, which is although it's important to have to-do lists, you know, a list of things you need to do, you need to have stop doing lists. So you need to have lists for things you need to stop doing. You need to have a list of people you need to stop seeing. You need to have a list of people um, or apps that you need to delete because a lot of things can make you feel bad and you just keep doing it because you're so used to doing it. You're afraid of being alone. You don't know that there's an there is an alternative, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's okay to unfollow those people on social media who make you feel bad about your body. That's something I would put on my stop doing list is, okay, every time I see um, a picture of Kylie Jenner, I'm like, oh my God, I hate my body for the next 24 hours. So the solution of that, to that is um, don't follow Kylie Jenner. And I'm not saying you're going to solve all your body insecurities and your self insecurities, 
but you can avoid um, like triggering it at so often. Um, you can just kind of pretend like Kylie Jenner doesn't exist. And like, that's totally okay. I support that 100%. And instead, you can replace that habit with following people who do embrace their bodies, especially if their bodies look similar to yours. And that's what I mean by have a list of stop doing. Whatever you feel you need to stop being around or stop doing or stop entertaining, make a list for it because you probably already know what I'm talking about. You can already probably think of a few things you need to stop doing. So try it. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect overnight. No one is. No one will ever be perfect, but you can make progress because a lot of getting to the person you want to be and having the relationships you want to have is just doing 1% every day. You don't need to go zero to 50% to 80% to 100%. You can do 1% each day and eventually you're going to have a life that you know you have created for yourself that you actually want to be living. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's actually a gift because not enough people do it. And so that person can be you. And I love that. Just thinking about that. I love that. It makes me happy. So that is all that I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you loved it. I hope you learned something. I hope you feel inspired or motivated um, or anything like that because if you made it this far, then, oh my God, you are so patient. You are probably more patient than I am myself. But I spent a lot of time um, writing the outline for this episode and the advice and thinking about what has really worked for me in my life. So I hope you guys appreciate it. I hope that if there's one thing you took from this episode and from this podcast, it's that you are important and you deserve to have a life that you want to live. You deserve to have a life that you wake up and you're excited to live. And I don't want you to have this false impression that you're going to wake up and everything's going to be perfect, but I want you to know you probably have more autonomy than you think you have. You have the ability to heal your childhood trauma. I promise you are brave enough to face your childhood trauma. I promise you can create healthy habits for yourself that lead to a life that is so exciting. And that is a promise that I can make to you and you can hold me to it. And I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Um, You can expect to hear from me by next Wednesday. And thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great night. Have a great week. You look beautiful. You look handsome. You look amazing. I love you. Goodbye.